is this morning as we, uh, as we begin to look at this, I want you to notice when I read the text, and we'll come back to this, that God in Jesus, in this text, has really three concerns for us. The first one is the word and what it does. For how we receive the word of God, and then the character of those that have received it. So do you get that? The word of God, how it's distributed, and what does mature believing look like? Okay, so I'm going to tell you a story, and I, and, and I love this story. This is a, a little story of God's provision for me. In the Tri-Cities, we had a house that uh, was uh, east-west um, aligned, and so in the summers, one side of our aluminum-sided house with a concrete pad to a fence had aluminum privacy stripes in the side of it. Um, as the sun would come up and it would hit about 110 in, in the neighborhood, it would hit about 135 on that patio. And we had a big patio there, and we'd put the kids' swim pool there, and then we'd set a sprinkler on the patio to keep it cool enough. But one of the things that always amazed me is every year, we lived there for 20 years, every year, one little Johnny Jump-Up would grow about 15 feet from either side of the grass, right in the crack between the concrete and the house, and it would just sit there in 135 degree heat and bloom. Now, I, I, I gave quite a bit of thought to this because the water from the sprinkler never hit it. I mean, we made sure that the water didn't hit that side, of the, you know, because that's the foundation of the house. It's not, you know, a good plan to make sure that water gets in there. And I came to the conclusion that, that I had no idea that's what good soil looked like. That little crack in the concrete between the foundation and 135 degrees with no visible soil. With that in mind, let's turn to Luke 8. Soon after Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God, he took his 12 disciples with him, along with some of the women who'd been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Now, we could stop there and say, there's a biblical case for the offering. But I want you to recognize that in the Jewish tradition and in that society, this does not look like the, the great society of good soil. Right? Mary Magdalene and then the one that you cast seven demons out. Right? We're, we're starting to talk about people that, that are doing more than they ever had expected. One day, Jesus told a story from the form of, in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. He scattered it across his field. Some seed fell on the footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among the rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell upon, among the thorns and grew up with it, and it choked them out, choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as it had been planted. 
when we when he had said this, he called out, "Anyone with ears to hear, listen and understand." His disciples asked him what the parable meant. He replied, "You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled." And this is a, almost a direct quote from Isaiah six nine. When they look, they won't see. When they hear, they won't understand. And the reason God said that in Isaiah 6, 9 is people had turned from his ways, and so he sent Isaiah out to preach his word and, and said, when you do it, they're going to hear, but they aren't going to understand. And when they see, they're not going to understand. They're not going to be there. It's the difference between, you know, if you ever met somebody who... who um, who misunderstood listening for being in the vicinity. You know, just sort of hanging around loitering, <laughs> right? Or, or for, for uh, people that, whose eyes work, but they're not really paying any attention. You've met these people, haven't you? Sometimes I'm these people. If you're these people, I'm not pointing a finger yet. I'm just letting you know that, that, that this is the human condition. This is the meaning of the parable, he says. The seed is God's word. The reason Isaiah 6, 9 is so important is from Isaiah 5, he starts talking about why the people have left his word behind and how big a deal it is. And he says that he's going to call to the nations and they're going to come out and they're going to conquer Israel time and time again. They're going to keep doing it. And then... After that's done, it'll be like there's a stump left and they're going to set fire to the stump so that there's only a remnant left and that remnant will be his word. Now, if you follow up further along in Isaiah 53, you have the passage that we're really, we're really used to hearing around Christmas time and Easter about by his stripes we're healed. Well, what happens between Isaiah 5 and Isaiah 53 is this, is this winnowing down Israel down to an individual servant who becomes the seed. By the way, we see that in the Gospels, that as people start rejecting Jesus, the crowds go away, they get smaller, and pretty soon you just have this small band, and then when the soldiers come, how many do they arrest? Just the one, right? Well, they're just after the one, but everybody else runs away. That is after after Peter chops off somebody's ear and then Jesus says, no, that's not the way this is going to go today. And he fixes it. But he comes down to just the one. And then afterwards, they go back out. But the seed is God's word going out. The seed that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. You've met these people. They've been told, and it didn't sink in, it couldn't sink in. They weren't ready and weren't receiving. What you don't know is whether or not they're going to be receiving at another time. But right then, it didn't happen. Modern, modern uh, story, uh, statistics say that an individual normally has to hear the gospel 7.2 times before they believe. That has been my experience. Um, by the way, if you run into somebody and they've never heard it and you receive this response, I just want to sort of explain some of the responses you might get to the word of God when you do that. The first one is, the first time somebody hears it, they go, 
huh, never really heard anything like that before. If you've seen that response, that probably tells you they're fairly early in the process. Now, the next time they're going, well, this is about the second time I've heard that before. I, I'll think about that for a second, but eh, I'm not really interested. Now, about the sixth and seventh time, my experience is they're starting to get unhappy about hearing that to the point where I've been bitten in a mall, right? Because people are super excited and they get sort of frustrated. Um, some of my own relatives have said, I don't want to hear this again from you. That's usually a sign that it's starting to hit home and they're being slightly offended by being told that they need a savior and they don't really want to have a savior because they want to be able to be good on their own. And if you're in that spot, I just invite you to enter into that moment and understand if you've been there, some of you are later converts to Christ. If I hold out my, up my hand, I'm saying, I came to Christ after college. And I lived in a fraternity, and I know the things that I had to say I'm sorry for. Do you know the things you've had to say you're sorry for? Did you come later in life? You're really aware of that sin in your life? I know the first couple of times I heard it, and I, and I don't know if I've said this, Karen asked me the first time I met Karen, she asked me if she could pray for me. Have I told you what I've done? If you believe that works, you go right ahead. Okay? <laughs> and she pray, started praying. Go ahead. I mean, what do I care? And and she believed she was she was a believer and she did that. Now she is the she is the witness that brought me to Christ. Okay. Some of you knew that. But you didn't know that the first time I responded to her when she asked if she could pray was, <laughs> whatever. Okay, so this is the seed. The seed goes out. But how does it go out? Okay, so first, sometimes it doesn't fit the first time. I sort of rejected it the first time. I'm, I have a sneaking suspicion most of you don't even remember rejecting it two or three times you probably do. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while and then they fall away when they face temptation. I think another way to explain this story is the people that don't count the cost ahead of time. Or, or a sibling of mine who was told, that when he comes, when he came to Christ, he would have more friends and more money, and he, you know, because life would be better. And and the truth is, my life is better. But the promise isn't more friends and more toys and and more money and all that stuff. And if you believe that and you haven't thought it through, and you say God's going to make my life better, yay! And then you get in there and it doesn't happen right away. You feel lied to. The thought that comes to mind for me is that at this point in time, you you sort of become inoculated against the message because you've been lied to. It's a vaccine of the soil. The, the, the non-complete preparation of the soil. 
The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life, so they will never grow to maturity. Now, it doesn't say they fall away. It doesn't say that they, they, they just never reach any potential here. Paul would say, those, those are the people that come to Christ and when they come into the kingdom of God, they sort of escape, but they smell like fire because they just barely got through. Now, they did call out for a Savior, but they never attended to the word. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. No one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl and hides it under a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where the light can be seen by all who enter the house. I'm sorry, there's no second service. Does anyone know? It's like free reign. <laughs> no, I'm almost done, really. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought into the light and made known to all. So pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, remember, the ones that are loitering in the vicinity, sort of like the mariners in the Troas story, even what they think they understand will be taken away. Then Jesus' mothers and brothers came to see him, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. Someone told Jesus, your mother, your brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. Jesus replied, my mother, my brothers are those who hear God's word and obey it. So what do we say about this? The first thing, remember, was is that God has this concern for his word that goes out. The next thing he has a concern for is how it's, how it's received or how it's sent out. Now, I have a couple of observations about this, and I understand that Jesus lived in a different farming culture than we do, but I think it can still work. I know that they scattered, but God scatters the seed, and he's fairly indiscriminate, doesn't he? I mean, you get the rocky soil, you get the path, you get the thorns, you get, you get where the birds are, and he's kind of... He's kind of getting his seed out there and making sure it does it because, because the word of God never comes back void or empty. But he doesn't just leave it there. Even back in their time, they would scatter the seed and then go back and turn the soil over and prepare the soil. And God does that. Here's your $5 word for the day, provenient grace, the things God does ahead of time before you believe so that you might believe. And he doesn't just leave his seed in there. He starts preparing the soil. Sometimes that means that the soil isn't very good quality, but he's still turning it over so that it can be better. Modern farming techniques rotate soil and all sorts of things. Um, the farmers in the Palouse will often rotate mustard in every so often because they can't get all the seeds. The seeds fall on the ground and they fumigate it so they take care of the diseases that are festering in the soil, but they also have a long taproot that breaks the soil up and, and, and then destroy, 
distributes material into the soil and breaks it up naturally quite deep and dies right away. Did you know this? How about uh, garbanzo beans? You know, they, they do garbanzo beans because they just take the thing, but they produce a lot of nitrogen in the soil. And so as they rotate the crops around, if you only plant wheat the same year in and year out, then pretty soon it stops producing because of the diseases, the soil gets depleted, all this stuff. So even modern farmers, even if they don't scatter the seed, they use a seed drill that, that injects the seed at a certain depth into the soil given a certain hardness. So that's like turning the soil after the scattering. But nonetheless, modern farmers prepare the soil in the same way that God has been working on your heart and my heart for his work, his masterpiece, his work of art, his Ephesians 2.10, you are God's masterpiece. The word there is kerema, right? It's work of art. You know that you're his poem? It's pretty cool to think of that way. So anyway, he's, he's concerned with his word and how it's received. He doesn't just leave his word unattended. Neither do modern farmers. Now, modern farmers are different than ranchers. I would tell you this, that, that seeing in, 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 in the Palouse, one of the things I saw is the farmers worry a lot. Mainly because they've got seed out in the soil and there's really nothing they can do because they are not in charge of which ones grow and which ones don't and whether the rains come and all that stuff. And they sit there and they watch their fields and you can drive over the fields until the plants start to head out. Once they head out, if you drive over it, you give up some of your harvest to go over it. But, but everybody does what they do the most of. And because they worry a lot, they're really good at it. Ranchers are different. They work, the they work their animals and they, they do this, and so they're really good at working their animals. God is always at work. He's, not, he's also brooding over the seed. The, the image of brooding over the void and empty world from Genesis 1 gives you this picture of God sitting there contemplating or brooding over something, and then, he's, then he creates it and shapes it, and then he starts filling it. That's what the Word of God does in our hearts. It starts going in there, and it starts creating in us a new heart and shaping it, and then he starts filling it with the work that is to be done. And now on to the comparison of those who hear. Who are my mothers and brothers? My mothers and sisters, my brothers, my sisters. Who's my family, says Jesus? Those who hear and do. Those who hear and do. It isn't the ones that are raised that, that have, well, I can go, I can trace my lineage all the way back to Abraham. Jesus didn't really care about whether or not you could trace your lineage all the way back because just as in Isaiah, everybody fell away to that one person, that one Jesus who sacrificed. But in Isaiah, after the sacrifice occurs, that narrowing down goes the other way. And he has hundreds and thousands and innumerable and unnumbered kids and brothers and sisters and family members. But what is the character of a believer? Well, the character of a believer is somebody like me 
who I would have probably not thought was particularly good soil if I was witnessing. Or somebody else, or somebody who who's... I'm sorry, Jeanette. I, I know that your lights are on. I'm sorry. This, this is what goes on in our lives, is we start to see somebody who says, well, I really like them. They'll be good soil. You're looking at it wrong. You're looking at it from a human standpoint that you start to think, well, I'm going to pick who I should share the gospel with. And some, of, and some Christians today will say, share the gospel at all times. Use the words if necessary. Let me tell you that use the words only when necessary is completely foreign to the biblical understanding. Share the gospel at all times, always explaining what's going on so that somebody can be, so that you're not putting your, your lamp under a bushel. You're not hiding it. But you set it up high so that there's light for the whole house. It's right there in the text. Don't hide it. Don't be picky about who you share it with because you don't know who's good soil. Like I said, that little Johnny jump up growing in the crack of the concrete in 135 degree temperature that never got any water and it just sat there and bloomed all summer. Who do you know? Who do you come in contact? Who are, are nearby? Because God's main concern is that his word goes out, that it's attended to, and those that come become mature in what they do and where they do. What's the character of the believer? The one who hears and does. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for the chance to host the weekends, to be inconvenienced by, but also every so often to come together in one service. We thank you for that. We thank you for your word that goes out and the way that you bless our hearts as we are here. Brood over us.